Welcome to the Parent Ed Podcast by Focus on the Family Singapore. Family life can be crazy and chaotic. So join us as we figure it out together. Hello and welcome everyone to the Parent Ed Podcast. My name is EJ and I'm your host for this episode. In each episode of the Parentnet Podcast, we will be tackling questions that parents are asking about family life, parenting, marriage, work life, and more. We will be speaking with everyday parents and practitioners as they share with us their experience and practical ideas. We hope that you will keep tuning in to listen and learn with us and to grow personally in your journey as parents. So today, in this episode of the Parentnet Podcast, we're going to be focusing on examinations. Have you ever wondered or have you ever thought about it? Do we have a hard time maintaining our cool with our children you know, when exam period is around the corner? Do we often struggle managing our emotions when there is a gap between our expectations and our children's performance? Chances are you and I, we're not alone. Every parent wants the best for their children and it's no different when it comes to the exams. So what role should we play as parents in supporting our children for their studies and examinations? Should we be strict sergeant majors, drilling them in their math formulas and making them memorize Chinese idioms for their compositions? Or should we just take a back seat and trust that they've got it all under their control? Well, with so many different views of what is the best way forward to support our children, parents may feel very, very confused. So today in this episode, well, we're here to unpack on how we can be a parent coach, the exams edition. I'm very privileged. Joining me on this episode of the Parentnet Podcast is Mrs. Pauline Fu, a mom of three to share experience with her children. So welcome, Pauline, to our episode of Parentnet Podcast. Yes, thank you for having me here. Hello, everybody. Yeah, yeah. would you like to share with uh, all the listeners a little bit more about yourself and your family as well? I'm a mother of three boys, and I've been an educator for more than 20 years. There's a pro and cons to that because then I have to be very aware when to switch my role from being a teacher to a mother. So today, I would like to share more of how to be a mother and encouraging our children. Wow, you know, how to be an encouraging mom, parent to your children. And Pauline, you have shared, you know, you have three kids, all right, and they're in the different levels of education right now in primary, in secondary, and in the junior college, in the tertiary institution. Maybe you could share with all of us uh, who are tuning in to this podcast what is one word you would use to describe how you feel when the exams are approaching and has that feeling magnified or enlarged because it is tackling national examinations like PSLE and O-levels? Based on my experience, when my kids were younger, actually the stress level was way higher as compared to much later when they were much bigger. And the reason why the stress level rises when nearing exam, for one simple reason, I'm not so much into the grades. But the fact is there are consequences that follow the grades. So unfortunately, for me as a mother, we all want the best for our kids. So we know that by not achieving that particular grade, there will be consequences to face and are we ready to face it? I remember when my kids were younger, I will always plan out timetable for them once I get the exam schedule. 
so that they can visually see how much time they actually have for revision. But now that they are older, especially my two older ones, they are able to do that on their own. At that time, I remember it was stressful because every marks count. It determines your next step, where you can go to, even at PSLE. It's scary because that one mark, two mark makes a difference whether you can go to school A or school B. And kids, they have their own aspiration. They might want school A so badly. And you don't want that one, two marks to just kill off their dream. So at that time, I would say it's very, very stressful. But thankfully, they managed to get into the school that they want. And the journey didn't stop there because apparently when you want to sign up for special courses, special CCA, they look at your academic results again. That was true for my eldest, but I can see the shift in recent years because when my number two entered secondary school, I felt that the whole process of choosing students to be admitted to special program or special CCA has changed. Now they conduct interviews. So if you're interested, you can sign up no matter what is your scores. You sign up, they interview you, they maybe do some audition. So it's more based on your talent and your interests, which I think is a very good shift. So hopefully with that, the focus on the exam grades will slowly be lessened and the kids' needs and likes and hobbies, whatever, will come into place, the talent and so forth. Mm. So hopefully that shift will help the children nowadays to not be so stressed up and parents especially over exams. Pauline, you rightfully mm. mentioned that stress is a big word for the children, you know. Mm. Uh, and I'm sure as the children face stress, I think one word that probably describes the parent, mm. uh, maybe yourself and for many of the listeners too, is also stress. Mm. Parents are also stressed when kids are going through exams, yes. right? The other thing that Pauline, you mentioned was about shifts. Mm. You have noticed education systems have shifted, you know, less emphasis on academics and more focus on holistic character development yeah. of the child. And we do notice over the years, the Ministry of Education have made such intentional changes. So mm -hmm. some examples include like removing exams for the P1, P2s, mm -hmm. and the recent changes have been to scrap all the mid-year exams for primary and secondary schools, as well as, of course, not forgetting the new PSLE scoring model, you know, that was implemented in 2021. How do you feel yourself as a parent having gone through some of these or many of these changes within the systems with your boys? Do you feel as a parent that it has reduced stress and pressures in many ways for the parents and the children too? For me, I would say yes. Of course, when I had my first child, uh, everything was first time. Even I was a teacher, everything was still first time as a mother. So exams are a very scary period because it determines, like I said earlier, like you will get into which class. Mm. They have the cream class. But now with the, all the blending, yeah. there's no such like best elite class anymore. So yeah. it definitely reduces the stress. Mm. And if you are comparing my eldest to my youngest, who is now currently in P5, I feel that the younger one is really enjoying school a lot, a lot more because he's given chances to explore a lot of other areas. You know, there's no exam for him so far. There are a lot of bite-sized assessment, which is something manageable. I think it's good to remove the major exam that two marks, two numbers determine your next year's journey, you know. But now with all this bite-sized, right, it's more for us as parents to actually figure out where is my child? Has he understood this particular part of the curriculum? So I feel that it's a more informed kind of um, assessment. 
Rather than you wait one whole half a year, then suddenly you take a mid-year exam. Then by then, it's too late for you to do anything seriously. Mm. Yeah, so this kind of bite-sized assessment, I think is very helpful. At least for me, I feel, and with my boy, it's helpful. Mm. So we can kind of address the problem more immediately. And then it also helps the child to also check their learning. I think it's very crucial to take away exam or assessment totally. I don't think it's going to work. It sounds like it's, it's working pretty well mm. with some of these more calibrated approach. You know? So giving a fair balance of having a certain level of assessment so that we roughly can measure how the child is learning along. And also giving on the counter side, you know, also giving more opportunities to develop uh, the child in many other ways through their CCAs, through enrichment classes and all that. So I'm really so heartened and encouraged to hear what you've just shared because it, re- it lifts away that pressure on our child to pursue just that particular score for that major exam because we all know that well our children their self-worth and their identity is not determined by just the exam grades or the results. I'm sure also that the exam results are also not a reflection of you and me our parenting abilities right yeah so I think this is very important for us parents to be mindful of. As we continue to talk along, we talk a lot about the shifts you know the shifts within the system and then maybe also certain shift in the mindsets of parents are mm. important uh, too. Let's break it down and go on to a more practical level, how we can better support our children when it comes to navigating things like exams and their studies. Okay, And of course, the topic for today's uh, podcast is about being a parent coach. Pauline, you could share with us in your understanding or probably your own definition, what does being a parent coach mean to you for your children? I think to me, to be a parent coach is simply to be the encourager in our kids' Mm. life. Whatever they decide on, we should always hear them out, listen to them. I think it's not an easy task, to be honest, especially for me, who's in the (laughs) education world, because sometimes certain decisions they make, I will go like, "Mm, are you sure? (laughs) Because that's going to limit your choices subsequently. Mm. But sometimes when you take a step back and you look at your child, I think you should feel blessed and happy that the child is able to voice out what he or she wants rather than following blindly what everybody says is the best route because mm-hmm. the best route is not the best for everyone. My three boys are very, very different. For my elders, he's a very happy child. He doesn't really plan much. As the day comes, he will just take it and then leave that day. So my hubby and I tend to make decisions for him since young. We will choose the primary school for him. That's the very first big <laughs> decision. Then after that, we will decide what should him, what CCA should he take out. But I feel that when we do that decision-making more for him, whenever things don't go as well, we feel the guilt as parents because we were the one who made the decision. We made him take higher Chinese. Then later we look at him like, uh, he's like struggling. Then we start to wonder, did we make the right choice? So that is the tough part. For my number two, he's very different. He's very focused. Maybe after looking at what his brother has gone through, he's very aware what's happening. He knows what he wants, what he does not want. He can voice out to us. We learn to adapt to his style. We have another approach. We listen to him. We let him choose whatever he wants to. And I think it works out better because then he is the one in charge of his decision. He's the one to face whatever consequences. And to be fair, I think in Singapore, I feel every child has a chance to succeed in every choice you make. 
There is no dead end. I mean, as a teacher, I also see there is no dead end. It's just a longer way, a shorter path. But of course, as parents, we probably hope that they take the easiest route. Yeah. But sometimes I think we need to stop and listen to our kids. Are they ready to really take up such a big challenge? Or they rather just take a slower path, steady, and then still reach the ambition that they want. Yeah. So really, it is about like different child, different stroke, I yes, would say. Yes. Like what Pauline, you mentioned, every mm. child has different personality, mm. different uh, ways of learning as well. So some may take a longer period of time. You yeah. know, some maybe catch the concept very quickly and mm. they can jump on it. And of course, within all this, there are like different learning styles, behavior and, and all that. So there's so much to unpack and learn about every child's uniqueness. Yes. That we would say. Mm. Pauline, you rightfully mentioned something that I just want to dive deeper a little bit on. You talk about uh, the different personalities and styles of the child. You also mentioned that parents need to be intentional to calibrate how approach. So it's not just about understanding the child. After understanding the child, we need to fine-tune our approaches. So as we talk about encouraging every other parent out there to be a parent coach to our children, did you start out this way with your firstborn and being a parent coach so naturally because you're an educator or how has that shifted over the years for you? Have you also grown in that process? Definitely. Too? It was so tough for me. <laughs> a very humbling process. Yeah. It's a very tough process. I mean, I'm grateful because my hubby is also very encouraging. I remember once he told me, uh, Mommy, you have to grow up. Your boys are growing up. You have to grow up as well. Then I realized, yes, my style has not changed for the past many, many years. I'm still using the same style to try to approach my kids, but they are like growing, they are becoming teenagers. You know, they are starting to have their own views and opinion. It's not easy. And of course, I mean, one thing I learned about this phrase, people like to tell you, don't compare your children. Don't compare your children. Well, I agree and disagree because... It's true you don't compare your kids in a way like you say, you know, why Gogo can do this so well? How come you always cannot do it? That's the wrong way of comparing. But for me, I do compare my kids to figure out what are their strengths and weaknesses. I think that part, you require that little bit of comparison to figure out, okay, oh, my this child is like that. He works better with a plan. Okay, my the other one, no, he doesn't like to have a plan. He finds it very rigid. He works based on his... He feels like learning English today, he will learn English. He feels like reading history today, he will read uh, on history. I let him be. Because at the end of the day, I think I allow freedom of uh, choices within a boundary. I think boundary is still important. You cannot be so open, you know. Oh, you can do anything you want, you know. Nice mummy, but... I think you still need to give a boundary. So like for my youngest, he is very stubborn. He's not like the two brothers who will like just listen to me and then all follow. Youngest one is a little bit stubborn. So I need to let him have a feel like he has a say in things. But because I don't think he's that capable to fully plan his own learning, given that he's only P5. So usually I'll do some planning. So maybe today I'll tell him, okay, today we need to spend one and a half hour on revision. Would you like to revise on English or would you like to revise on math? 
So that one and a half hour is fixed by me. But then he can choose which subject he wants to. If you know your child is going to always pick math because don't like to learn language, then you have to restructure your sentence. Like, uh, would you like to work on composition today or you would like to work on vocabulary? So it's still within English. It sounds like a scam to me. <laughs> but it's like you are still uh, giving choices, but it's within a controlled boundary kind of scenario. I think for kids, it's very necessary. Yeah, those are very wise words that we are hearing from Pauline as you are sharing. You know, I hear things like uh, a different approach to comparing because mm. I think we want to avoid unhealthy comparison. Yes. A healthy comparison would look like understanding and knowing the strengths and the abilities of your different children and helping to motivate them. Uh, from the position of strength as well. I hear Pauline also share about even when the kids are at a younger age, you do need to be a little bit more instructive, directive, setting the structure for them. But yet within that structure, you let them have a certain level of appropriate autonomy mm. to make choices. Of course, as they grow older, you generally would give them a little bit more autonomy, making more choices. And I'm sure, of course, with that, they have to face some of their own consequences as well. We talk a lot about how to approach supporting our children. I guess one big area of support that many parents are looking for, especially for their children, is in the area of exams. You know, Pauline, a lot of parents have been asking us, how can we better motivate our children to take exams or even revisions more seriously? Some parents may come to you or come to me and they ask, how to motivate my disinterested or unmotivated child. Maybe you could share with us some advice to encourage the parents that are listening into this podcast. Oh, well, I'm not an expert, but I think in all sense, to first start off motivating your child, you have to be motivated yourself in the right direction. If your motivation is, oh, I want my child to be a straight A's kid, I think that's very hard to pass that message to my child. So I won't suggest that. So I think as parents, the kids look at us all the time even though we thought they are not, they are actually looking at us. So the way we manage our own daily tasks and stuff like that, how we approach our, our life, I think they are looking at us. And if we are motivated in a sense that they can see the joy, I think they will take after us in that sense. Motivation is a very tricky word because it really has to come from the child. So to me, what has, I would say, work would be to be part of the team with my child. I think that's very important. It cannot be I am the boss. I'm telling you, I want this target and then I hope that you will motivate yourself to work towards it. But having said that, I mean, every family is different. Some family works by uh, using maybe gifts or rewards. Some maybe just hugs and uh, letters, I don't know. So every child is also different. Some kids react a lot to a gift. Some kids are like, nah, I don't care about that set of Lego. So I think you have to really know your child in order to motivate your child. What exactly does your child want? And that's the hardest question to answer, to be honest. No matter what, let your child know I am with you. Like when I go through exam revision with my kids, I show them my true self, my anxiety. Not to the extent that they get affected by me, but I show them I'm also struggling learning this passage of Chinese, you know. I'm also struggling, but let's struggle together. You know, let's work together. And I think setting realistic target is very important. Not talking about exam like normal daily, weekly uh, things yet. Like I know my child can only maybe hit 60-70%, then that will be our best. So we work towards that. We agree that that's something we work towards. So as long as they can achieve 
that success. And every little success, we celebrate. So I think with that, over years, it can't happen overnight. Over years, they will realize that, hey, Daddy, Mommy, they are really supporting me. Even though I get only like 60, my friend get 90, but my parents are so happy for me because we know that that's the best that my child can do. So I think be realistic about it and understand what your child wants and use the right, correct love language. Pauline, you rightfully pointed out that to motivate our children to love learning, to have that positive mindset to take on exams and revision, we ourselves as parents need to be motivated first, mm. right? And the other part that you mentioned was, I somehow keep hearing that uh, in our conversation here today, you do intentionally have a lot of conversation time with your kids to talk about things. Is this something you find that even in modern day parenting, we should do more? Yes, um, definitely. We should do more of this. So even though I'm a teacher, I have the skills to teach the concept. But when I'm doing revision with my kids, I don't really touch so much on like teaching concepts, so technical. It's more like really to find out from my child, you know, do you actually like doing fractions? Mm. What is it you like? What is it you don't like? What is it that's confusing you? It helps me as a teacher actually also. I think we have to be very clear. Our role as a parent, we leave the teaching to the expert, which is our teachers. The teachers will do a good job for our kids. Our job there is really to clap hands for them, encourage them, Cry with them. I mean, I have tried. <laughs> I cried with my kids over Chinese passage because it's so tough. We were struggling. It was very late at night. We were both very tired. Let them know that you are there for them. It's also difficult for you. They can see it for sure. It's also difficult for mommy, but she's trying her best to help me. These are small little things that we can do as a parent. Thank you so much for sharing. I think you really brought up this very poignant example that as parents, we role model for our children. We want to motivate them. We ourselves got to be motivated. We always challenge our teenagers, our children to have growth mindset. You know, such a big word. But do we as parents have that growth mindset? as well. I thought like your sharing today was really inspiring, especially about humbling ourselves to admit that sometimes we don't even know these passages, these subjects that's being taught today. And let's learn together. We are not the experts. Let the experts like the educators do their work. But we as parents at home do our role well as parents. And I hear from Pauline today, intentionally making time to have conversations, to hear the struggles of your children. And I think that fits really nicely our topic of today about being a parent coach, right? If you look in the sports industry, being a coach means a lot of relationship building, a lot of inspiring, knowing the strengths, the personality, behavioral types of our children as well. As I hear Pauline sharing today is that we don't become parent coaches overnight. It is a journey. It is a very humbling journey of learning every day as we grow in our role. I would say growing in our role as a parent coach so that we will stay together with our child on the same team. Let's not be on the opposite team with our children. Time has really caught up with us. Thank you so much, Pauline, for sharing your nuggets of wisdom. Before we wrap up this episode of the Paranet Podcast, do you have any advice, inspiration to close off this sharing with our listeners? I hear a lot from my friends. They always ask me, how come you can do this, do that? Oh, maybe because you're a teacher. But I don't think so. And I, I'm just here to, I hope to encourage parents that no parents is prepared to be a parent to start off with. If you feel inadequate, you have to remind yourself you are the best you can give your kids. So 
do not because you feel inadequate and take a step back and then let things uh, go in the wrong ways. Wherever you are as a parent, you are able to shine the best for your kids. I read something I thought was quite interesting to share. If today you pick up a torchlight that is no longer shining, will you just throw it away? Most of the time we wouldn't. We would try to change the batteries. So same thing goes for our children. There are days, there are moments, sometimes the kids just dim off. They don't shine anymore. So for us as parents, we don't just cast them aside. We will change the batteries for them. So an uh, interesting way of saying it was like some of them will need AA, double A battery, which is attention and affection. Some of them need more, triple A, attention, affection and acceptance. Acceptance is very important. And then some of them need C, battery type C, compassion. Some of them even need battery type D, which is direction. So you know your child best, give them what you can. And if all this still doesn't work for that moment, never mind, just sit with your child, shine your light on them till they're ready to shine again. Wow, thank you so much, Pauline. Closing this podcast with your wisdom, you know, the type of batteries yeah. Yeah, that we can recharge our children with, whether is it the three A's or the C battery or the D battery. Yeah, it's true. Some children need direction. Some children need the attention and the affection and the acceptance from us as parents too. We are really very thankful to have Pauline sharing with us on this Parent Podcast on how to be a parent coach. As we end off this episode, I was reminded about uh, a little quote that I heard at one of the parenting workshops that I attended. It says that being a parent and a parent coach, we need to be both like a thermometer and also like a thermostat. A thermometer which measures the temperature of the home, our emotions, our mood, you know, how is the setting like? It sounds a bit like what Pauline has mentioned about knowing the personality of the child, knowing what makes our child ticks, how we can get them motivated. But on the other hand, as a parent coach, we also need to be like that thermostat to regulate, to manage, to control the atmosphere in their home. And as parents, we can do that uh, because we can take the lead, role model, or even set certain boundaries on the home front so that the home is a wonderful environment for our children to thrive in. So listeners, we hope you are inspired and encouraged by Pauline's sharing today on how to be a parent coach, especially with the upcoming examinations season, that you could apply what she has shared so that we can better coach our children as they look ahead to this examinations season. As we wrap up, we want to share with you in this light of preparing for exams, sometimes we are wondering as parents, how can we better support our children in terms of their mental well-being, navigating stress, anxieties. So Focus on the Family Singapore has an upcoming webinar in October for parents to learn more about early intervention strategies around youth mental health as well as suicide prevention. So if you're keen to find out more information, please feel free to visit our website at www.family.org.sg slash RFRK mental health and you can find out more information about this webinar over there. For other parenting resources, do feel free to check out our website family.org.sg or you could drop us an email at parentad@family.org.sg for any other interesting topics relating to parenting you would like to hear about. Last but not least, we hope that you have benefited from this podcast as you're listening and we hope that you could share this podcast with your friends or other parents who may benefit from this episode as well. Be sure to catch us on our next Parentet podcast. Until next time, have a great week with your family.